This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Okay, so we're in this series called Wind and Fire. Last week, we started by talking about the personhood of the Holy Spirit, that that's really the starting point for us because maybe you came from different traditions. Maybe the tradition you came from was a tradition where you never talked about the Holy Spirit. Your pastor never taught a sermon on the Holy Spirit. You believe the Holy Spirit because, well, he's part of the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but you never really talked about it, you know, and you kind of you thought of the Holy Spirit like, you know, he's like that, that crazy uncle you really don't want to show up. And when he does show up, you, you hope he leaves in a hurry, you know, you don't want to hang around. And so maybe that's the tradition you came from, or maybe in contrast to that, the tradition came from was that the Holy Spirit was the star of the show. Like everything pointed to the Holy Spirit, there was all kinds of chaos, and there was all kinds of craziness, and it was basically, it was all about the Holy Spirit, which misses the point that the Holy Spirit points to Jesus, right? That Jesus Christ gets glorified and edified, and so, or maybe you just don't know anything about the Holy Spirit at all. You didn't grow up in any kind of tradition knowing about the Holy Spirit. And maybe your thoughts were that the, you know, they, people that talk about the Holy Spirit, they either, you know, wear a ton of makeup or they wear no makeup at all. You know, and that's, that's your understanding of the Holy Spirit is people like that. And so what we wanted to talk about is that that may be where you come from, but the starting point is to understand the Holy Spirit, not as a force, not as some kind of power that's floating out there, but the, the, it's a person. And when you understand the Holy Spirit as a person, then you can have a relationship with a person. I have, I don't, I have a, I have a, you know, a utility, a utilitarian kind of relationship with my truck. As long as it gets me where it needs to go, I love my truck. When it stops that, I don't care about my truck anymore, you know? I have that kind of relationship with a, with a, with a vehicle, but when I don't see my truck as a, as a person. But if I understand the Holy Spirit as more than just a force, or some power out there, but I understand the Holy Spirit as one of the parts of the Godhead, the Trinity, that he's a, actually a person that I can have a relationship with, that that person can be grieved, that person can be lied to. It changes how I relate to God. It changes how I live my life. It's just we started out last week. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about how the Holy Spirit enables us and walk, walks with us. Um, I, I showed this comic strip last year. You, you probably saw this comic strip. It, you have to be like over 50 years old to have ever seen this comic strip, all right? How many have ever seen this comic strip? Okay, there's a few of you. And last year doesn't count when I showed it. So just, you saw it before last year, right? So this, this is a comic strip. It was typically on the back of, a, of comic books. And it was advertising a book by Charles Atlas, right? This 15-minute work, workout kind of book. And, um, and so the comic strip is about, it's about um, a skinny guy that shows up at the beach, you know, and, and he's got his girlfriend with him, you know, and he's like, you know, he's going to the beach. And all of a sudden, some bully comes out of nowhere and just basically calls him skinny and insults him, you know, and then he gets angry and he says something back and the bully beats him up, you know. And then later on, later on, he, he purchases this book and he starts working out 15 minutes a day. He comes back to the beach and now he's this big buff guy, you know, and he shows back up and he takes kind of revenge on the bully, you know. And I like how the end, his girlfriend at the beginning, you know, he gets beat up and he kind of runs away and his girlfriend's like, I guess he abandons him, I don't know. But then at the end she goes, oh, Joe, you are a real he-man after all. <laughs> it's really corny. Um, and then somebody in the crowd says, 
and he used to be so skinny. Now, I know you're like, what is Rich talking about? Well, when I was a kid, I had seen these, this comic strip, and it mesmerized me because I was that skinny guy. I actually have a picture of us. when I was, This is in Panama. I'm the one all the way to the right. That's, I'm the oldest son of five boys, and I'm the one all the way to the right. You notice those amazing, massive biceps of mine right there? Yeah. Yeah, I was that intimidated guy. You know, I'm the guy that didn't really want to go to beach because... I wasn't beach body material, you know, and so, and so that really, that mesmerized me, that comic strip would mesmerize me. Now you're wondering, okay, so where in the world is Rich going with this? Well, I'm not here to talk to you about physical strength, but I think that sometimes we feel like, we feel like that skinny guy on the beach when it comes to spiritual strength. Like I've given my life to Jesus and I want to follow him. But man, there's so much more that needs to happen in my life. Like, God, my marriage needs to get restored. And I'm struggling there. Or, or my, my relationship with my parents or my relationship with my children needs to get fixed. And I'm really struggling there. And it just seems like there's no, no relief. You know, I'm like, I, I'm saved. I love Jesus. But there's something that's missing, you know. I need strength to get where I need to be in life. And the truth is that we can only go so far in our own strength. Our own abilities, our own ingenuity, our own capabilities will only take us so far in life. And there comes moments in, in our lives where we actually need something more than just what we can bring to the table. The Bible talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you will receive power. That word power is the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from in English. But it's this idea of explosive power. Okay, so it's a, it's a distinction between uh, like you, you, you'll get wisdom or you'll get in, insight or you'll get some kind of some knowledge, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of powerful. But really, it's more about something that only God can do. That it's something that, that you can't ma- manufacture. You don't have the capabilities for it. It is a power that's given to us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, he says. And I love this because that's really, if you read through the New Testament, you'll find that the Holy Spirit power is always tied to being a witness. It's not just about, you know, going to church and saying, wow, what a powerful service. <laughs> Okay. The outcome of this Holy Spirit power is for Christ to be glorified in our lives, whether it's through physical things like healings and salvations and like that, or maybe a change of heart. I mean, it could just, it's a a vast array of things, but that's really what the purpose is for us to be witnesses for Him. Jesus speaks of this Holy Spirit power as something that we desperately have to have. We need it in our life. We need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Last week, I asked the question, if the Holy Spirit were to leave in your life, that was a question, kind of a leading question, if the Holy Spirit was to leave your life, would anybody notice? Would you notice? We need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we try to be who God has called us to be or to do what God has called us to do and try to do it outside of the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's like trying to cut down a forest with a pocket knife. 
And all the while, you have a steel, like massive chainsaw in the garage in a box. It's there. It's available to be used. It's there. It's there, right? But you decide, nah, I'm going to do this on my own. So you pull out your little pocket knife and you get to work. So your relationship challenge, your behavioral struggles, your addiction issues, your anxiety disorders, or whatever struggle it is that you're going through, the tendency is for us to think that I just need to muscle up. I just need to work harder. If I could just work harder, I can finally overcome this thing. You know, that's how we tend to walk through our Christian walk and really with what we learn from Scripture is not about, it's not about self-reliance. More and more self-reliance is about more and more dependence upon the Holy Spirit. That's what we learn from the scriptures. In fact, Jesus is speaking in Luke 24. Luke tells us that he kind of describes a promise that Jesus is giving. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is going to be sent. The Father has promised this. Jesus is speaking. It's kind of a, it's a, a point about the Trinity. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven, right? He says, don't do anything, don't go anywhere until you are filled with power from heaven. That is the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't say, hey, go ahead and get a head start, get to work, and then when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll catch up to you. He says, don't do anything, don't go anywhere. Jesus, Jesus is trying to say to us that we must be completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That when we, when we say, God, I need you, and we, and we depend upon the Holy Spirit, we actually gain traction in life, particularly in our spiritual walk. And when we see that skinny guy on the, on the beach, I'm just kind of metaphorical language, you see that skinny guy on the beach? We're no longer that skinny guy spiritually. Because the Holy Spirit is walking with us, is leading us, is guiding us. Several ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us. First, the Holy Spirit helps us when we are weak. In fact, it's only in weakness that we are able to truly experience the power of the Holy Spirit. See, as long as you consider yourself strong or strong enough, as long as you're not placing yourself in a place of, of vulnerability, of dependence, really don't get to experience God's power. As long as we think that our approach in life, because this is really our approach in life, and I'm, I'm not talking about, oh, the, the world outside of the church. I'm talking about within the church, that our approach in life is, I've got most of my life figured out. About 90% of my life, I can manage. I have the wisdom, I have the intellect, I have the wisdom, I have the ability, I have the financial resources. I can manage about 90, 90% of my life, but there's about 10% that I can't. And so, God, I need you. <laughs> Now, would anybody say that's truly depending on God and depending on the Holy Spirit when I can say, I only need you for, nine, for 10% of my life? Jesus really wants us to be, be very clear about this, that we are invited into a journey with him where we are 100% dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you wake up in the morning and say, what pair of shoes should I wear? You can if you want. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a life of yieldedness. A life where you say, God, here am I. I, I. You know, yeah, I could try to do this on my own, God, but what do you want? How do you lead me? Romans 8, 26 says, says, the Spirit helps us 
in our weakness. The Spirit's power is demonstrated while we are weak, right? And this might come as a surprise to some of you, but God doesn't need you. I know it sounds kind of insulting. I'm not trying to insult you, but he doesn't need you, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need your help. I mean, he doesn't need your talents. I mean, he gave, the talents you have, he gave them to you, so he doesn't really need that from you. You know, he obviously wants you to use them. He doesn't need your money because he actually gave you the money that you have. He doesn't really need you. He doesn't need your counsel. He doesn't need your, you know, your, your, your opinions. He certainly doesn't need your, your permission. <laughs> God doesn't really need you, need you. I think sometimes we, we operate that way. Like, you know, I'm a Christian and I, I do my life and, and God, aren't I, aren't, I, aren't I special to you? And yes, we are. And I mean, we, I'm not trying to give you a conflicting signal here because we, we do believe in the amazing love of God for us and that he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. But it's not like God's up there saying, man, if Rich, if Rich doesn't come through, I'm not gonna make it. See, the other way around, we desperately need him. And this is the idea of the Holy Spirit, is this, re- this reality, living in this reality where we completely need him. And we live that way. I need you, I need you, I need you. We used to sing that song a long time ago. I need, I'm not going to sing it, but you know, we used to, it's basically, I need you, yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry. First of all, I just came up to mind, and then secondly, I can't sing, and then thirdly, I don't really remember how it goes, so yeah, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> That's hard for us, though, to say I need you, right? Because we're very, we're very independent people. We, we like positions of power. We don't like to be the needy person in a relationship, and yet that's... That's the relationship that we are invited into when it comes to the Holy Spirit is this relationship of I need you, God. None of us really think about waking up in the morning and that being our prayer, God, I need you today. And yet that's exactly the kind of relationship that he wants us to have. You see, the Holy Spirit's power shows up most dramatically in weakness and in vulnerability. This is why when you study church history, you find that in church history, the most dramatic growth in church history happened when the church did not have power or political power. They didn't carry the mantle of power. They, they, were, they were persecuted. They were killed for their faith. They were fed to the lions. And it was during that time when they did not have power, when they weren't strong in terms of like external strength, is when they exponentially grew. And the reason why is because space was created for the Holy Spirit's power to, to be manifest. It helps us in our weakness. That means that if you find yourself in a position of weakness, you're stuck, you're vulnerable, you're in the perfect place, the perfect place for the Holy Spirit's power to be manifest in you. Holy Spirit also does something else. He sanctifies us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The word sanctified is this idea of being made more and more like Jesus, right? And our tendency is to, you know, we, we want to work harder, we want to try harder to be more like Jesus, but really it's not that. Um, the only way that we become more and more like Jesus is by yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit, Allowing the Holy Spirit to form him in us, right? And so 
when this happens, when the Holy Spirit starts to work in us, this, we become powerful witnesses for God. Because he's at work in us. So, some of you, some of you, you used to react in anger and now you kind of respond in gentleness. You used to, to act selfishly and now, you, now you, you act in kindness. You used to be demanding and now you are patient. You used to be constantly on edge or stressed out and now you have peace about you. You know what that all is? That's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is moving you from this place to that place. He's working in you. He's making you more and more like Jesus. These are all powerful indications that the Holy Spirit's at work. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're sitting next to the person, maybe he's your husband, maybe he's your wife, sitting next to the person and you remember what they were like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. You remember how they used to act. You remember how they used to talk. You remember how they used to be disrespectful to you or, or maybe, they, maybe it was even worse than that. Maybe they cheated on you. Maybe they, who knows what they did. And now you're sitting next to them and they are a completely different person. It's because the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit makes us more and more like Christ. And that's really a process that the Holy Spirit's at work in us. The Holy Spirit also helps us know God's will. John 14, 26. <clears throat> says, he will teach you. Your version might say guide you. He will teach you all things and remind you of all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit counsels us. He guides us. He directs us. Um, you know, it's interesting. As a pastor, I often get the question. It says, Pastor, how can I know God's will for my life? I need to know God's will for my life, you know? I need to know which direction I should turn in or what left or right or whatever, you know? And I understand that question because of guidance, this idea of knowing the will of God. But one of the things I've discovered, and the long, longer I live, the more, the more I realize that this is less about revelation, like the Holy Spirit revealing something to me and saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. This is how I want you to... It's less about that, and it's more about relationship, it's more about walking in the Spirit. That's what which we're called to do, to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit day in, day out. And when you walk in the Spirit, you find yourself in line with His will. You find yourself day in and day out knowing that you are exactly where God wants you to be. And it may not be a pleasant place. That's the, that's the problem here. So oftentimes the question that is posed to me, hey, what is God's will for my life is because I don't like where I'm at. I want something different. I don't like the situation that I'm in. But oftentimes when we are walking in the spirit and we know that we're exactly where God wants to be, sometimes the place that God wants you to be is not a comfortable place. It's a difficult place. It's about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see this throughout the New Testament. In the book of Acts, it's what describes the early church. They were being guided by the Holy Spirit. In fact, 50 times, over 50 times, it mentions the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Uh, in fact, it was, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. And somebody suggested it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit, really, that's directing and guiding throughout the entire book of Acts. A good example of that is found in Acts chapter 15. I love this passage. Um, there's it's church leaders, the church leaders of the church. It's an infant church, but they're writing a letter to some Gentile believers. Let me explain that real quick. Real quick, Gentile believers were p- basically people who had, con- had converted to Christianity, had become a Christian, but they were not originally Jewish people. So, the original Christians all came from Judaism. They were Jews, 
And so now Gentile believers were people that were outside of, you know, Palestine, Israel area and had converted to Christianity. They were in Greece and in Macedonia and other places. Okay, so they're writing a letter to these Gentile converts and they use this little phrase in verse 20. I love this. It says, it seemed good. Verse 20, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love how they use that language there. It's just amazing language. And I, I think I love it because they don't say, well, the earth began to shake and an audible voice came from heaven and said, this is what I want. And we all fell to our faces and we knew exactly what God's will was for our life. No, it's kind of a relational language. It's like it seemed good. Like I was having a conversation with the Holy Spirit the other day and it just seemed good. Like this is what we should do. That's how this language is built. It talks about relationship. It talks about walking with the Spirit. And when you walk with the Spirit, you know what is His perfect will. And so you have to understand that for the church at this time, this was uncharted territory. They had never been there before. They'd never been in a place where they were having to deal with Christians who had not been Jews before. Up to this point, all Christians were Jewish in Jewish origin. So it was easy for them, hey, just follow the law of Moses. And guess what? All those things that we heard about prophecies and stuff of the past, those were all fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That was easy to do that for them. Now they were dealing with a whole group of people that had no idea about the law of Moses. And they didn't know what to do. And it's exactly how the Holy Spirit leads us oftentimes. He leads us into uncharted territories, into places we've never been before. And that's, that's common. I mean, part, our series is called Wind and Fire. Part of the idea of wind is that it, it's, it blows, and you know it's blowing, but you can't see it. You don't know exactly where it's going. You don't know where it's coming from. It's this leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not predictable. And if there's one thing that we like is we like predictability, don't we? We like neat little boxes. We want to come to church and say, this is how I express my religion and my faith. This little box fits. And I feel good about myself. But sometimes the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to act. <clears throat> this is why here at Life Church, we, we like trying new things. In fact, years ago, we used to be a part of our, not our values, but it was somewhat one of our statements that we, we believe in trying new things. Because we believe that that's what the Holy Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit wants us to, to not be static. Our faith doesn't need to be static. Our faith needs to be active and moving, dynamic, right? That's so why we do worship the way we do worship. Because what we hope for is during the worship set, you might sit here and it might just be good music to you. And that's great. We, want it to be, we don't want it to be crappy music. So we want it to be good music. But you might be sitting here and it might just be good music. But for another person sitting here, it is a word from the Lord. God, the words on that screen just pop off the screen. And suddenly they're just speaking to your very soul. And you're, something's happening inside of you. And you walk out of here and say, I walked into church one way and I walked out completely different. Because the Holy Spirit's leading us and moving us. It's why we do things the way we do things. And we want, always want to be open to that. We don't, want, we don't want to restrict our faith to little boxes that we have pre-described, pre you know, pre-made. So we, we want to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, as we're trying to seek and discern God's will for our life and God's direction, and as we're asking questions, God, is this where you're leading? We also ask with a question, does this, is this confirmed with the word of God? Does this match up with what the word of God teaches? If I do this, 
Is there anything that would, the word of God would say, you shouldn't do this, right? And so we constantly are going in that tension of God. We want to be led by you, by the Holy Spirit, while at the same time we want to be true to, to the word of God. This is a tension that we often navigate. We want to be led by the Spirit because we don't want to confine it to the boxes, our pre prescribed boxes, but at the same time we want to make sure that what we are doing can be validated by God's word. I, uh, last summer, you, you heard, probably heard, uh, heard this, I shared last, last year, I got a, a voicemail, <clears throat> I got a call, and anybody ever received those phone calls that say, the, 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 you know, the caller ID is United States? <laughs> yeah, I, I've gotten a few of those calls. And so, because I already know about these calls, I just don't answer them at all, you know, and so I had this, this voicemail that was left, and, uh, and it was a little bit, dis- little bit, you know, concerning. Go ahead and play the... Hello. Uh, we have been trying to reach you. This call is officially a final notice from IRS. Internal Revenue Services. The reason of this call is to inform you that IRS is filing lawsuit against you. To get more information about this case file, please call immediately on our department number 859-475-1922. I repeat 859. <laughs> That was a little unsettling, getting that phone call. I mean, it's unsettling just in general when anybody says at any point, we're filing a lawsuit against you, okay? So if, don't raise your hand, but you know, if, if you've ever experienced that, then you know, I don't want that to happen, right? I don't want a lawsuit filed against me. So I get this phone call and I'm a little bit concerned about it. So I go ahead and call the number, the 1-800 number. I call the number and I get a hold of, uh, I first got a hold of a young, very sweet lady. She was very nice and she was talking about my case file. And then she said, are you, she just straight up asked me, are you ready to settle this account? And I'm like, uh, no, what account are we talking about? I don't have any paperwork. And I was kind of giving her a little bit of a runaround. She said, well, let me let you talk to my supervisor. So she transferred me to this really aggressive, and the guy had an Indian accent, like from India, you know, accent, you know? And I, the first thought that came to my mind is like, who's teaching IRS agents how to speak English, by the way? Because this guy is really struggling right now, trying to convince me that I owe the IRS 70, over $7,000, and that I didn't need to make it right, right now, you know? And so I, that happened, obviously, I, w- I got a little mean with the guy, and I started saying, yeah, send the police, I don't care, you know? Uh, it wasn't very pastoral, I, I, I admit that, I admit that. Um, <clears throat> Um, but honestly, it didn't bother me. I wasn't like scared because it was not consistent with what I already know about the IRS. The IRS is not going to give me a phone call and leave a voicemail and say they're filing a lawsuit against me. Usually you just get a a letter that says, you're in trouble, buddy, you know, (laughs) and pretty much that's what happens. And, and, and then if you owe them money, and you were expecting a tax return this year, you're just not getting it. That's how it works, right? And, and then if you owe them more, then they might send you a letter so you still owe more, and for the next foreseeable future, you're not getting any tax returns, you know? And so that, that, that's kind of how it works. I knew that, and so I wasn't really too worried about it because I knew that there was inconsistencies. And so here's the deal. When you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you need to test the voice. You need to test the voice. You need to know God's word so that... When you're hearing a voice, you're not hearing, you know, some crazy voice in your head. (laughs) It's not late night pizza, but it's confirmed by God's word, okay? Also, the Holy Spirit empowers us by giving us gifts that are to help others. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about some of the gifts 
of the Spirit, and he's kind of chastising the Corinthian church because they're kind of misusing the gifts. Like they've, like they've, they've created this classism of gifts. Like if you have these gifts, then you're varsity. If you have these gifts, well, you're at best JV, and you're on the team, but you're not, not playing. You know, you're, you're on the bench. You know, you're just, you're just gonna, that's where you're going to be. And so they were, they were kind of dividing the church up by the gifts that they had. And, and that's just kind of ridiculous, right? Because one of the things about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit comes to, to unite, not to divide. And gifts aren't for my own selfish gain, but they are to help other people. So Paul challenges them. And First, First Corinthians 12, verse 4, he says, As there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Like he's saying, Paul's saying, look, there's no room. There's no room for pride or self-righteousness here. Okay? This is a gift. You get it? It's a gift. You didn't pay for it. You didn't earn it. In fact, you didn't get to pick the gift. It was just given to you. And so that should, instead of making us proud, instead of us walking around with arrogance over the gifts that we have, we should be humbled by that, the fact that it was given to us and we didn't earn it, we didn't pay for it. It's a gift. Paul goes on, verse seven, he says, a a spiritual gift is given to each of us. So let me just stop there and just say this. Raise your hand if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So God's intent, keep your hands up. God's intent is for every single one of you with your hands raised to have at least one spiritual gift. That's God's desire. He wants every single one of us to have a spiritual, and he's given it to you. Okay, you put your hands up. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so, and then he explains why, so we can help each other. It's not for your own personal gain. So that you can help other people. He goes on, verse, verse 8, he says, To one person the Spirit gives the ability to, be, to give wise advice. To another the, uh, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. To the same, the same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, if you might have heard it that way, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. That's the point that Paul is trying to make here. It's not a divisive thing. It's not like you're better and you're less than. It's not at all. Paul is saying it's the spirit. It's the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So when you're treating somebody else as less than because they don't have the gift that you have, then you're really not dissing that person. Really what you're doing is you're dissing the Holy Spirit who gave the gift in the first place. He alone is the one who gives the gifts. So... Paul goes on, he uses this metaphor of the human body. He talks about how the body is many parts and all these parts, and you need them, right? Like I need my eyes, but my eyes aren't my whole body. I need my ears, my ears aren't my whole body. My, I need my mouth, my mouth is not my whole body. Some of you might say it is. In fact, <laughs> one, of the, one of the ladies on our worship team, she's back here, uh, her son came up to me after first service and said, why did it take you so long to get finished? <laughs> He's like a three-year-old. So some of you might think that my mouth is my whole thing. Yeah, okay, I get that. My wife thinks that as well. But we're a body, 
And there's multiple parts in this body, right? We all need each other. And then he kind of concludes with this verse in verse 29. He says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have gifts of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown language? Of course not, Paul says. Now, this is not Paul saying, hey, you know, no gifts. That's not what he's saying. He's saying each one of us should have a gift, but here's the deal. Are we all doing the exact same thing? Is one better than the other? No, of course not. The point here is that we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to impart his gifts to us. That's the point. That you are meant to be using your spiritual gift to benefit other people. And how do I get that? By asking the Holy Spirit to fill me and to impart his gifts unto me. So really, that's the invitation. Holy Spirit, I want to experience you. I want to experience your power. I want to experience your gifting in my life. And that's a dangerous prayer because you're putting yourself out there. <clears throat> you're saying, I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to step out of my religion box and allow you, Holy Spirit, to lead me and guide me. And that can be scary for some people. I get it. Scary for me. But if we really want to be used in God's kingdom, if we really want to be all that God wants us to be, let's take the chainsaw out of the garage. Let's stop trying to cut trees down with a pocket knife. Amen? An example of this leading of the Holy Spirit is kingdom builders. You know we do kingdom builders around here. Kingdom builders is our mission accelerating funding program. Last year we raised over $200,000 for Kingdom Builders. This year, to, to this date, we have uh, uh, only halfway through the year, and we've already raised over, over $180,000 towards Kingdom Builders. Through Kingdom Builders, we, we support projects like the Remade Center in Calcutta, India. They were here. The Dingmans were here. You know them. We've helped them. We're even helping them this year again. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we had Jamel Crawford here. Remember Jamel? Anybody remember Jamel? He came part of the Dream Center in, in Des Moines, Iowa, and, uh, and we were able to give him a check for $10,000 towards the Dream Center in Des Moines, Iowa. And out of that, a gentleman in our church said, hey, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like I want to donate my 26-foot uh, diesel truck. We're gonna, and he's already got the plans. He's already laid out the plans. He's building it already to, to build these mobile shower units to take to the homeless places in Des Moines. And that's going to be given to, to, to them as well. And so it's pretty significant what's been happening through through, through kingdom builders, but you need to know the backstory a little bit. And I know I'm taking long, Wayne, I might just end up closing, but um, the backstory of this is that <clears throat> a little over three years ago, I was, I was fretting. I was looking at the financial situation of Life Church, and it wasn't bad, but, but we weren't thriving necessarily. And, and then I was looking at the outlook. I was looking beyond. I was like, what's going to happen five years from now, 10 years from now, you know? And I, I was struggling in my faith, I'll admit that. And so I was, I, I was praying and I was asking God for, for, for guidance and direction. I remember one morning I was in, in prayer when the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me. And he just said these words to me. He said, listen, Rich, you take care of my business. I'll take care of the church. And immediately I knew that what that meant. Immediately I knew that that meant that I needed to risk a little bit and that we needed to, as a church, just go on a limb in terms of reaching people for Christ, lost people for Christ. 
and then we were going to go, we're going to stretch. And so, and so that's where Kingdom Builders was birthed, out of that, out of that time of prayer where the Lord was just telling me, you need to, you know, uh, take care of my stuff, I'll take care of the church. Well, to be honest with you, we started Kingdom Builders, and a few months into it, I'm thinking, you didn't know this, this was my secret fear, but I was thinking, God, don't let them give all the money to, to missions. We need to pay bills here too, you know. We got to make sure we have electricity. And I was kind of worried that all the money was going to go to missions, you know. And I was afraid that it wasn't going to be met. I should have known better because I've heard stories of many churches where they were extravagant in their missions giving. And God took care of them. And I celebrated with them on that. But suddenly it's my turn. <laughs> it's my turn to, to risk. It's my turn to be vulnerable. It's my turn to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit and actually walk in that direction. I mean, I have to tell you that the numbers speak for themselves. What has happened financially in the last 18 months here at Life Church is nothing less than a miracle. God has provided in amazing ways. I'm not talking about kingdom builders here, though. You have to understand that all this started by the leading of the Holy Spirit. All this started because in prayer, the Holy Spirit said, hey, this is what I want you to do. And it was scary. And it was risky. And it was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. And I had questions and I had doubts, but the Holy Spirit's leading. And you step out on that leading and you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. He'll never, ever let you down. God wants to take you places that you've never even dreamed of. God wants to do things in your life that you can't even imagine. And all of it starts with saying, God, here am I. I'm dependent upon you. I need you, Lord, to lead me in my life. Amen. Let's all stand. I think, uh, <clears throat> I think the prayer that we started last week is an appropriate prayer for us this week. And that is that, you know, we talk about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. But the first step is for us to see the Holy Spirit not as this weird doctrine that some churches believe or as some force or energy out there, but it's actually God present who wants to have a relationship with us, who wants to walk with us, who wants to talk with us, who wants to, who wants to challenge us when we're making you know, wrong choices in life. And we get that. And we start having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Here's a prayer that we, that we said. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Not, not secondhand knowledge. Not what my dad passed on to me. Not what, not what that Bible teacher in church passed on to me. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. And I challenge you last week to pray this every day. I want to know you personally. I welcome you into my life. I want you to be my closest friend. What if this week we pray that again and ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us? Amen? Let's worship. No, never mind. Let's not worship. It's late. <clears throat> Father, I just want to thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, you're working even right now, Father. I know, Lord, that maybe there are some minds right now that their minds are churning and they're saying, okay, I've not really understood a lot about the Holy Spirit. I don't know much about what, that, what he's talking about, but Lord, I do want a relationship with you. And so, Father, I just pray that you will just 
challenge that individual and, and move them along, Father, that their hearts would be open for you, Holy Spirit, to lead them, guide them, fill them, and empower them. Others in this room, Father, that have an experience with the Holy Spirit, but maybe that experience is a bit stale. Maybe it's something that they picked up 25 years ago, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, and they believe it. They have no theological opposition, no doctrinal opposition to it, but Father, they, they're just not really walking in the Spirit, Father, and we just pray, God, that you will just fill them afresh with your presence and your power. God, that you will just make it so real to them today. And Father, for those individuals in this room who may have never even accepted you as their Lord and Savior, Father, we know that only by the Spirit can we call you Lord. And so this morning, Father, we call you Lord. We call you Lord. We call you Lord. We call you Lord. Holy Spirit, draw those hearts, I pray in Jesus' name.